You thrive on deeper connections, which, you have found, is a universal condition. Yet so much of our day-to-day lives are filled with superficiality and, yes, small talk. You want to find a way to help people get past this. You think big in order to help others talk big. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. Well, I actually feel like big talk in my research is actually my passport to the world in different environments. I've been able to work with people from broad backgrounds, from Muslim women in Singapore, to Jewish women community, to churches, to uh, expats and people working in banking and finance, and to the artist community and students, because Every question I ask or way I get to know someone is something that you could relate to anyone on. So it's really helped me meet people from a variety of fields and worlds and and navigate, actually. Yeah, I think of Big Talk as a, a little passport. This week, going beneath the surface, what do you want to do before you die? And walking down the street, smiling. Join us on a journey from California to Singapore and the birth of Big Talk. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yeah. Hi, my name is Kalina Silverman. I'm from Santa Monica, California. And I run a program called Big Talk about skipping small talk to make more meaningful connections with people. And I was on the Fulbright Student Research Program in Singapore. Big Talk is a communication approach about skipping small talk to ask deeper questions and make more meaningful connections instead. So maybe if you're at a networking event or or starting a new school, instead of asking someone, oh, where are you from? What do you do? You might just go one level deeper and ask them, why do you do what you do? Or what are you, what was your childhood dream? Did you follow it? Why or why not? In having these conversations and making these more meaningful connections, you can build greater empathy for people across different superficial barriers. Big Talk was an idea that I had while I was a college student at Northwestern University because when I first came to school, I'd moved from California to the Chicago winters, which I'm sure played a part in me feeling a bit different or colder. I moved to school, and as a freshman, I felt so lonely, so disconnected, but no one could see that on the outside. I mean, I was going to all these events, joining clubs, joined a sorority. I made tons of friends, had tons of new Facebook friends, you know, by a few months in. But there would be times where I'd just go back to my room and cry and didn't know what was happening to me and didn't know how to explain it. And it wasn't until the end of the year I started a club. I was much more connected with people that we all started opening up about our experiences 
and it seems so obvious now, but so many people had similar experiences. They were talking about anxiety, depression, or seeing therapists, or feeling lonely, not knowing existential crises, very common amongst college students trying to figure out what to do with their lives. But we didn't talk about this when we started school. We just talked about, oh, what's your major? Where are you from? What sorority do you want to join? So it wasn't until the end of the year that I realized these conversations that they were had in the beginning would have made everyone feel a bit more connected and less alone. And then I was late at night and having a deep conversation with a friend over Skype. And I said, wow, I wish more conversations could be like this. And he said, yeah, screw small talk. And immediately the name just, big talk just popped into my mind. That's following summer. I did a lot of uh, documentary projects abroad and was having so many serendipitous encounters in Ecuador and Germany and interviewing people and meeting people from all walks of life. And I really didn't want to lose that magic of being abroad when I came back home and wanted to do something about that. And then my last day in Germany, I saw the question, what do you want to do before you die, written on the Berlin Wall? And immediately I was like, that's big talk. That's what I'm going to do. And so I went home to LA and tried to create this video of big talk and asking people that question. So I did my Fulbright project on how to build empathy across cultures through Big Talk. And Big Talk actually started off as a YouTube video I made while I was in college, where I walked up to strangers in Los Angeles and skipped the small talk with them to ask them the deeper question, what do you want to do before you die? And I asked a really diverse range of people from a homeless man to a businessman, an elderly woman, teenage boy. And it really didn't matter what people did or what they looked like, but they all had answers to this one simple question. It, it went viral on YouTube, and I started receiving responses from people all over the world who also wanted to make Big Talk. And I noticed quite a disproportionate amount coming from Singapore. So I really wanted to see on the ground why that was the case, because I knew Singapore was a really diverse country and really small, but it wasn't very well integrated necessarily, despite being so multifaceted and diverse. And so I wanted to help people connect on the ground in Singapore. Big talk can, it can definitely come off as this more emotional, fluffy thing that not everyone needs, but I've noticed everyone does need it at a certain point. Cause there'll be like people who seem like they have their cool and then a couple years later, I'll get a message from them and say, hey Kalina, like do you have an extra deck of those cards? Or something like that. Or someone that I would never expect to ever have any interest in something like big talk, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it usually comes in the form of a private message. I think it's those times when people are just alone and feeling vulnerable, reflecting on their own lives, that they might need something like Big Talk. So it's, it's helped strengthen my conviction to keep going. Everyone's going to need to have a meaningful connection in their life in order to survive and get through. don't know where a conversation will lead and sometimes it led to things that I was not equipped to deal with like people sharing their deepest most innermost secrets or mental health issues and I am no licensed psychologist or therapist it, it really for me just started off as a storytelling project journalism making friends so those were the times where I just didn't know 
if what I was doing was was right, if it was crossing a line that I wasn't ready to handle. Those were the times where I wondered if I should have done this because it, it has led to like people who are just now relying on me for help and I'm, I don't even know what resources to point them to yet. There's just so much beneath the surface. There's so many nuanced experiences. I mean, I'll go on a vacation with a friend and we'll talk about like our favorite parts of the trip and they'll say things very simply like, oh, I liked visiting this place and eating this food. And I'll be like, oh, I liked that encounter I had with this person when this happened. So just kind of going a layer deeper. Um, but I do like to adopt the mentality because it makes the trip more fun to me too, rather than just going in with everything planned and expected. I actually started writing a play. <laughs> I haven't really shared it <laughs> about it. And I called it Beneath the Surface because a lot of what I'm doing with Big Talk is kind of going beneath the surface and just talking about the conversations I'd have with people, people you'd expect to say one thing and then, you know, you go a little deeper and find out more about them. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't done anything with it because it was just so taboo and random for me to just start writing a play about it. But it was how I processed each encounter. Despite being able to be a part of so many different worlds, like the hippie drum world, the, the State Department world, the students, I mean, everyone thought I was a student when I was doing research at NUS or the modeling world, all that. I still felt very much like just Kalina from California and would come home and be talking to all my friends from home. And I felt like I had two lives I was living at once. But by sharing stories on either side, I was able to still feel like I could be both. And it was awesome when I had friends visit and then they met my friends in Singapore and then suddenly everything felt more real. Because there were times where I felt like I was living this alien life and that it was really disconnected and it was in a dream. But once people started meeting each other and connecting, that was really cool. Despite Singapore being a small country, big city, it's, it's fairly quiet and ordered, but you would still hear the sounds of a city in a very kind of rhythmic, ordered manner. You don't hear like taxis or ambulances like you do constantly in New York, for example. You hear a mixture of languages because everyone in Singapore speaks English, but also they speak Chinese, Malay, smell a lot of yummy Asian food, sweet chili sauce. That was my favorite. I would drench everything in sweet chili sauce and feel really hot and sweaty unless you're in a really air-conditioned place, which you could walk into anywhere. The feeling was very comfortable for the most part. You always felt safe and secure and like you knew what you were doing because everything ran on time. But I think because everything was so ordered and secure, I felt like I had more freedom to do things that were outside of the box because everything else was taken care of. So I was able to experience so much within one year. Like I really felt like I lived three years in one year. There's one night, it was at the end of my Fulbright, probably maybe month eight or something like that. 
that I went to Out Dancing at this really cool indie movie theater, and they turn it into um, like a live dancing venue. And when I was there, I ran into like 10 people I knew that I had met just over the past year. And it was so cool to just go somewhere in a city and, and have friends from all over. And it was like one of the guys was in the artist collective I was in. Someone else I had done a, cl- a dance class with. Someone else I had just met through mutual friends because they had moved to Hong Kong re- from Hong Kong recently. So it was just really cool to see, you know, through that effort and sustained energy and friendship over eight months or so of being in Singapore, I, I had a world there. And that was just amazing. And I, I wish my friends and family could have shared in that experience. I hope people will walk down the street and smile more (laughs) because smiling is something that's so natural. And if someone is just walking down the street and smiling, you know they're genuinely, sincerely happy. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but a smile can be very indicative of the world going right (laughs) and being a good, happy place for everyone and things being in order. Thirty-three is produced by The Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of The Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Kalina Silverman told us about the creation of Big Talk and her time as a Fulbright Scholar in Singapore. For more about Fulbright and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcast. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you leave us a nice review? And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. Special thanks this week to Kalina for sharing her story and for going beneath the surface. Along with Ana Maria Sinatine, I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Haven by Gelsonic, Patched In by Blue Dot Sessions, and Jolenta Clears the Table by Dr. Turtle. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time.